Hey Who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 381. Yeah. very much for going back to another episode of the big blue box hope you're keeping well and safe and that you've all managed to do something doctor, doctor. related related <laughs> <laughs> i was watching you very carefully then to see when you moved <laughs> you'll never catch me no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome aboard everyone it's another quiet week we've gone back to uh, russell's like you've had your fill for a little yeah. while you've had some you've had some decent news you lot he's thinking for a while you can you can stew now i'll let you he's, concoct all or concoct all of your theories and for, you know the fan theories and what's going to happen all that. i'll let all that cook away for a bit and then i'll come back he's like i gave you doomsday <laughs> you ungrateful lot yeah. slated it into the ground <laughs> you're not having anything else now <laughs> well maybe that's it maybe because he was on a bit of a um a bit of a roll wasn't he there was a a period of about five weeks or a month at least where we had some news to talk about yeah which is all very good and then doomsday drops and then he's gone he's gone carbonite freeze on us <laughs> so uh maybe that was it I haven't Sorry, even seen any filming pics or anything. I, I assume they are still filming at the minute, but I haven't seen any anything recently, unless it's all the yeah. inside studio stuff. Yeah. Um, one would assume that they are still filming, unless something's gone horribly wrong, <laughs> which you'd hope not. Or unless they've gone off to some exotic location where, you know, people, that people haven't found them. You know, like um, when Mothball went off to Lanzarote mm. to film the, the Dalek one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yes. Yeah, they are still filming, I'm pretty sure. Mm. Do you know what? There probably are some pics out there, dude. If you go and hunt, yeah, you know, hunt them sure. down and know where to look, you can probably find them. Unless it's all studio stuff, who knows? Mm. Could be, uh, could all be on a set somewhere. Yes. Yes. So, before we uh, crack on with our review of Planet of Fire, and it's a bit of a, a, bit of a big one this episode, because we are saying goodbye, aren't we, to... Um, to Mr. Davison, as a, this is our last Fifth Doctor review. We've done them all. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's, um, we've done the whole Davo era now. Once we've got Planet of Fire done, um, we've reviewed them all. Mm. Yeah. So yes, it's. Uh, I was thinking it does feel like a, this story does feel like a build up to the end of the Davison era as well. Ironically, doesn't it? You know. Mm. But we'll talk more about that in the review. But yeah. Indeedy. Okay, before we get on to that, though, um, I've had a fairly quiet week. I have done a little bit of, uh, made a little bit of progress on the classic uh, watch through. Oh, that yeah. I've picked back up. So mm. uh, I've finished this week, actually, yesterday, I finished up um, The Ark. Oh, so, The Ark? Yeah. And uh, I'm still unsure about how I feel about that one. I think, I can't remember the exact score when we reviewed it. I think I was around a five or a six 
mm. maybe six and a half on it, and I'm still a bit undecided. It's um, is that the monoids? Is that, is that the arc? The is, monoids. It is. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> Take them to the security kitchen. <laughs> that gets a point alone. Just that line. <laughs> <laughs> the security kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, and it's not too bad. It's um, it's only four parts, so it doesn't yeah. it doesn't suffer from the. You don't feel like you're watching a. You know, it's not it's a marathon sort of thing. It's it's not too bad. I just yeah, still unsure. But anyway, I'm up to the arc at the moment. So what's next for me? Uh the Celestial Toy Maker. Is that even mm. around? Is that's not a thing, is it? We can't watch that one. I think you can watch one or one two of episodes or of that. Yeah. Yeah. You can see Hartnort's hands, I think. That's yeah. about it. Yeah, so I might just skip to the gunfighters, which is <laughs> the one after, so we'll the see last how that chance is. Saloon. Yeah. yeah. So along with watching, of course, Planet of Fire. And uh, and uh, doing the old classic rewatch, um, fairly quiet for me, dude. Um, I know that you've been somewhere though. You've had another event to speak of, haven't <clears> you? Have I? Uh, oh no, did we do that last week? Was yeah, that the I was say, <clears throat> I've done that. Yeah, God, I was thinking my. I know my memory's bad. <laughs> I was thinking I haven't done a lot since then. No, I've done Riverside, but yeah, we talked about that last week. Um, right, I, yeah. I've had a very quiet week, so I'm, I'm just sort of gearing up to to go away. So. <clears throat> I'm going to be off travelling for a couple of months, so I'm I'm sort of gearing up for that. So I haven't been to any events the last couple of weeks, but um, I've been a bit of a traitor really because I haven't watched any Who this week. <laughs> fake, you're <laughs> a fake fan this week. Yeah, but it's not just that. I've I've dipped into my toe into the other side of fandom, and I've been watching Star Trek, <laughs> which uh, no, I don't want people listeners to to be throwing tomatoes at their phones <laughs> and stuff. But um, no, I because I love the original series, and people kept recommending Strange New Worlds to me. They're like, oh, you must watch it. It's like the you know if you like the classic series, and I'm like, well, I don't know. I just can't get into new Star Trek. I like the old stuff, and anyway, I. So many people were talking about it. I thought, well, I'll give it a go. And I blimmin' love it. It was one of them when I just watched the first episode and was like, yeah, this is my kind of thing. Uh, so I've been watching kind of uh, blitzing through series one of uh, Strange New Worlds, which is absolutely great so oh, far. Oh, Strange New uh, Worlds, that one. Yeah, because oh, okay. I know you're not a Trekkie at all. Like, you don't, you're not really into mm. any of the Star Trek stuff, are you? Do you know what, Bud? I, I try to dip in now and then. I've got... A, I've got um, a lot of love and appreciation for the original stuff. Mm. Um, and I've really tried my hardest to, over the years to to watch through the next generation. I've really tried hard to do that. Yeah. But the problem I find is that it's, um, I don't know. I know I'm, people are going to love more tomatoes at this bit, but I find, <laughs> uh, I find Picard to be a right beep. <laughs> <laughs> so... A lot of people love him to death, and the new series yeah. that's on on Amazon at the moment, which is just called Picard, people seem to love that. It seems like mm. it's a great series, but in a in NTG, I don't know. I just find him to be a real a real beep, and it I don't know. So I end up watching like the first half of season one, of which there's like a million episodes, and then I just yeah. find myself drifting away a little bit. So I do try, but um, I might give it another go at some point. I don't know. Well, I've, I've never watched any of the Picard. Well, I've watched one or two bits of Picard. See, that was the thing. I stayed at a friend's after the Riverside event. I stayed at a friend's house for the weekend. And um, her partner is the biggest Star Trek fan. And, um, you know, I sort of mentioned, well, I like the original, I said, but not really the rest of it. And of course, 
we then after you know so we we then dipped in he's like well you, we need you need to watch the next generation you need to see Picard I'm like okay so we had a bit of a weekend of watching all sorts <laughs> so watched a bit of next generation and a bit of something else can't remember now and um yeah so it kind of got me into Trek again I was thinking oh yeah see you know it, it piqued my interest a bit hence why I've ended up uh starting this strange new worlds thing but uh, it, what I like about it, though, it's very much back to basic Star Trek for what I've watched so far. It's just sort of almost like standalone episodes each week rather than any big story arc and stuff. So, yeah, yeah so not much yeah. who for me this week. But what I want to ask you is, have you not broken your, um, have you not broken your season nine box set yet? It's no. not still sat there staring at you in the corner of the room, is it? Yeah, still there. Oh, no. Still there, dude. Well, oh, sealed. Sealed, yeah. Oh God! Yep, yep. Put his hand will be breaking through the cellophane like a Cyberman bursting through the the cling film before long. <laughs> Reaching yeah. out to you. Do you know what? It's um, I know he'll be turning in his grave. I'm sorry, John, um, but I will get round to it. the the box sets. I find um, I'm one extreme to the other with those. There's been a few of them that have turned up and I've ripped everything off of it immediately and thrown mm. the first disc in the in the Blu-ray player before um, you know, before I've even made a cup of tea or anything. And then others have sat on the shelf for, I think one of them sat on the shelf for, I think it was the first Davison one. Oh, yeah. I think it sat on the shelf in its wrapping for about a month mm. before I unwrapped it and stuck it on. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I will get round to it, Defo. Round to it soon as well. Yeah. yeah, I must admit, there's two extras on there, the two new ones, the sort of big extras I haven't got around to watching yet, and uh, I'm hoping to get them under my belt this weekend. You know, the one with Katie going to the locations. And oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think there's a nice documentary on Stuntman, Stuart, Stuart Fell, uh, meant to be really good. So, yeah, I'm hoping to get a bit bit of that watch. Just need to put the, you know, the, the Star Trek away. Don't want to don't wanna convert. <laughs> don't want to convert. <laughs> to be honest with you, um, I did watch the first season of star trek discovery oh, okay so you've seen more than me i've never watched discovery yeah that wasn't too bad actually that was um yeah that wasn't too bad is that the new one is that the newer newer is that yes. fairly recent yeah oh, okay. yeah it's the one with the tardigrade that enables them to go back through what do they call it in star trek it's not hyperspace or anything was it or um what, what do they call it i don't know it might be hyperspace or <laughs> I just warp, like no, warp uh, drive, yeah, the warp, warp drive, drive yeah, yeah, that's the one. See, we are so crap at being Star. If we went to a Star Trek convention, be like, <laughs> so what does that mean then? It's like that's the most basic thing in Star Trek that you don't know. Get out. <laughs> I you know like um, the odd fraud. So I could walk around saying "Make it so" because that's the only thing I know that Picard says that doesn't he? "Make it so," which uh, is a rubbish catchphrase. Um, <laughs> sorry, Trek fans. Um, what's the other thing that I like? Um, oh, I'd be going around going, "He's dead, Jim." He's yeah. dead. He's dead, Jim. He's dead, <laughs> Jim. That's yeah. the only other phrase. That you could, uh, is there any other ones? I don't know. Yeah, I think they're the only two I know. Yeah, we're going back now. Yeah, so you like the original one though, right? With Shatner oh, I love, yeah. love the Nimoy original stuff, stuff with, yeah. with uh, Nimoy and William Shatner. Yeah, that's the... That's the, that's the OG, right? That's oh. the... Yeah. Yeah. In fact, it's weird because I was watching that. I was re-watching that last week. Um after being on my friends, I just really felt like watching the classic series, and it's so good. Mm. Um, so yes, it, but even that's taken a sideline now to make way for this new series. So yeah, so many things to watch, so little time. There's a that's from a film, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, it's a Joker in Batman, slightly different. Ah, 
There you go. So much to do. So, so little, little time. time. <laughs> right. Before we crack on with our review, we're going to stop now. I was going to turn this into a Star Trek podcast, and that's not going to be good right. for anyone. Put that on the list. Yeah. We might have the odd listener out there that likes Star Trek. You never know. Bound to be at in least fact, one there or two. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it all fits in the realm of science fiction, I suppose. Anyway, before we crack on with our review, make sure you are following or subscribing to this podcast in whatever app you get your podcast so you won't miss an episode when it lands every single Friday. You can also listen for free over on the website, which is bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk, and you can read all of the articles and reviews from our awesome writing team over there as well. Now, a slight admission, I've been a bit uh, busy at the moment with work and some other bits. So I haven't popped out a bunch of articles from the team. So they're queuing up. So I need to get them done. So by the time you listen to this, there hmm. should be at least two or three up there. But um, the team over there, they do really good reviews. Loads of Big Finish reviews. So we often get asked loads of times, where do I start with Big Finish? What some what are some of the cool stories? If you head over to the website and um, in the sidebar, just hit the search field and just put in Big Finish, that'll throw up loads and loads of reviews that the team have done for some really cool big finish stories so if you check out what those guys think are some of the better ones etc you'll be able to dive in there but anyway there's some really good editorials and reviews from those guys we're on the socials too instagram twitter and facebook come and give us a like and a follow there as we chat doctor who throughout the week and we have a very cool free discord server so hop in there and chat doctor who with lots of other cool who fans and don't forget to remember that's it that's it. So check out Adam's channel over on YouTube. It's his very famous YouTube channel, of course, The Geek's Handbag. The Geek's Handbag, yes. Go and check out my YouTube channel. I'm beavering away. right. Well, not right this second, because we're doing the podcast, but as soon as we stop the podcast, I'll be beavering away making a new video. <laughs> um, so yeah, but there's loads of videos on my YouTube channel, uh, mostly Dot Two related. There might be one Star Trek video on there <laughs> from like 10 years ago. I think I did a Star Trek video. Um, yes, go check out my channel, The Geeks Handbag, also on all the socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Twitter and TikTok. And TikTok. He's still on there. He's hanging on by a thread by a tiktok thread <laughs> he's hanging on but go and check mm. out uh, adam's stuff very very cool channel loads of cool geeky stuff mainly doctor who but the odd other little bit in there so grab a grab a drink get comfy and check out all the things Indeed. radio dude review time what have we got this week yeah we only know but yes yeah, it's a Davo. It's a Davo episode. And like you said, it's the last one for us to review out of his era. And it's Planet of Fire. Doctor, we're picking up a distress signal. Where did you find this? Vsauce Triangle. It means there are people from trial here. My home planet. I am the master. So what? I'm Perfect Brown and I can shout just as loud as you can. You will obey me or die. Chameleon turned into the master? Oh, no. And if you're holding back anything from me, the master, our friendship is at an end. Stop this! You are quite powerless. See that this doctor burns slowly. Doctor! 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 <laughs> you will obey me. You will obey <laughs> Rightio, Planet of Fire. Let's crack on with this one then. Mm. Saying goodbye to... I feel a little bit sad, you know. Saying goodbye to Davo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
I think it's one of the reasons why I've kept the McCoy story on there. I'm clinging on to it, not, <laughs> not letting it go and say goodbye. So yeah. Planet of Fire was first. It's a four-party. It was first broadcast on the 23rd of February, 1984, and finished up on the 2nd of March. It was written by Peter Grimwade, directed by Fiona Cumming, overseen by Eric Saywood, and stars Peter Davison, Mark Strickson as Turlo, Nicola Bryant as Perry, and um, Gerald Flood as Chameleon, and also Mr. Ainley, Anthony Ainley as the master, and then a reasonably sized um, supporting cast on this one. And the synopsis is, A strange signal from Earth draws the TARDIS to the island of Lanzarote, where Turlo rescues a young American girl, Perry, from drowning. Among her possessions is an artefact bearing an alien symbol, the same triangular mark that Turlo has branded into his arm. The mystery deepens when Chameleon falls under the control of a powerful mind and the TARDIS travels to the volcanic world of San. As, Tar- as Turlo is forced to face his past, the fifth Doctor must stop his oldest enemy from harnessing the revitalising powers of numismaton gas. That's the one. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Easy for me to say indeed, yes. Right, see do. Planet of Fire. Give us your thoughts on this one, bud. What you feeling? What you feeling? Planet of Fire. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's not a story I watch very often at all, actually, and I cannot honestly remember the last time I watched this one. Um, but I really quite enjoyed watching this the other night. Um, in fact, I watched it all in one go. I'd only planned to watch two episodes. I thought I'd watch it two and two because uh, I don't remember it being particularly good. And I I wouldn't say it's great, but I, I did enjoy it. Um, it had a, a bit more going for it than I remembered. Uh, specific specifically like the master and the doctor having this sort of um sort of ongoing battle throughout the story which i actually found really fun and the little mini master in his <laughs> box and yeah there was a lot more to it than a lot more to it than i thought really um it is an odd story though it i, I can see why i don't reach for it that often um and it is confusing because i think every time i've watched this i've always forgotten that because because they they start in Lanzarote, but then they keep switching from Lanzarote to the, you know, the other guys on what's supposed to be the planet, but obviously it's still Lanzarote. So I find it confusing because it feels like for the first two episodes, everybody, including the Doctor Perry and the the tribe or whatever they're called, you know, the other guys, it feels like everyone's in Lanzarote, but it's supposed to be two it's supposed to be Lanzarote in an alien planet, but you don't get that at all. Like I think they should have put a filter on them, done something to to distinguish between the two because it's very confusing as a viewer. You just think, you know yeah. what I mean? Because they're cutting between scenes, aren't they? So they're mm. just, it cuts from Perry on the beach in Lanzarote to the two guys in that sort of weird sort of dome-shaped building at the side of the rock that's supposed to be the planet, but you're still thinking they're on Lanzarote. So it, it's a bit confusing, I feel in the in the direction and also the way that it's sort of edited together it takes a bit of getting into i think to work out what the heck's going on um true but yeah. uh yeah so it's a confusing story but it is one that i i quite enjoyed and i like the facts i think davos you can sort of feel these you know he, he you can see in his performance that he's um sort of a more downbeat fifth doctor he's got a slightly more serious side to him he's a bit more tetchy and i really like seeing uh, Peter Davison play the, his doctor like that. I think it really suits him. Um, 
and I like the backstory for Turlo as well. The you know all the stuff we find out about Turlo that we didn't know, and the friction between him and the Doctor leading up to him telling him you know that he was um, on the run and a criminal and all this sort of stuff. So yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by it in terms of how much I enjoyed watching it. I don't think it's the best story. Um, I don't think it's a sort of uh, out and out classic or anything like that, but. Yeah, I, as I said, I ended up watching the whole four parts because I kind of was, by the end of part two, was going to switch it off and thought, actually, I'm quite enjoying this. I think I'll just carry on. So, yeah, enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Hmm. Okay. What do you reckon? Okay. Um, I think I'm in the same boat as you on this one, buddy. Oh, okay. I think, yeah. I, I enjoyed it more than what I thought I was going to based on when I'd watched it previously, whenever that was. It's probably a few years ago now. And I, when I, the first time I watched it, I remember thinking, it's just very, uh, very weird. The first time weird. I watched it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's got, it's got a, it's it's almost got a bit of a McCoy feel to it, where it's got this, um, where you you think, you think that um, it's got this kind of mystical feel to it. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of magic going on, and you think, yeah, okay, um, you know, is this a? Uh, are we going to sort of dive in a little bit into the realms of are we dealing with gods properly or all that stuff? It doesn't really venture too much into the science fictiony type of stuff that you would mm-hmm. expect, and the very um, technical side of things that you'd seen in other Davison stories, with the exception of some of the stuff that the Master's doing, you know, with Chameleon and and uh, and the the TARDIS stuff. So it does have a, a kind of strange feel to it. It's it's almost like it's um, it's almost like it doesn't really know what it wants to be. Does it want to mm. be um, you know, uh, um, an enlightenment kind of story? I don't mean that as in the the, the actual story enlightenment, but in terms of it's uh, are we proving that these guys that believe in this this god are are right to do so, and the non-believers, you know, and is it a bit of a spiritual journey and that sort of thing? And the doctor's just there for the for the ride sort of thing, and he's just making sure the master doesn't screw everything up. Or is it more of a uh, more of a thing to do with the doctor himself, and then all the other people take a back seat? Because for the doctor, it's quite an important story because he's losing one companion and he's gaining another, and yeah. he's you know up against the master again and and all this stuff. So yeah, it's um. It doesn't do too bad a job of interjecting those two things. It's it's not too bad with that. But uh, I, I often found that it kind of flits between these two different narratives. And um, I was like, and like you, I was thinking, are these, do these dudes think that they're on sun, but they're actually really on Earth? In That's what I kept thinking somewhere. all the way through. Yeah, yeah. It is like, confusing, yeah. A little bit, yeah. So I was, yeah, I was, it, it's a weird one in that respect. In that, when I finished watching it, I don't think, right, okay, I know exactly what type of story that was and how I feel about that. I always finish, well, I say always, this is only the second time I've seen it, but I've, I always think at the end of it, I don't really know what I've just watched there. I'm not really 100% sure what to make of it, but overall, it's not too bad. It's not as bad as the first time I watched it, but that's normally the case when you've let the dust settle, for, a, especially if it's a few years like me with this one and you you pick it up again and watch it it's generally it, it improves a little bit with age i think i think maybe both of us have gone into it with sort of memories of it being 
bad or not very good. And perhaps it's, yeah, that's it, like low expectations. I mean, I've sort of got a funny sort of relationship with this story in that as a kid, so I have memories of it as a kid, and there are things that stuck in my mind very um, vividly that I loved. So in that sense, I sort of have a fondness for it because things like silly things, but I remember as a kid loving the gold thing that they fish out of the sea with the symbol on it. Do you know what I mean? It's just stuff that you like as kids like that. You're thinking, oh, I remember that that thing. I, I wanted to make one of those. And, and I remember the Masters Black TARDIS interior and just loving that, that the fact oh, it, it looked so like the good. Doctors, but it's black. Yeah. So there's things that have stu- uh, stuck with me from watching this as a kid that have made me remember it fondly, but it's just not a story that I, I reach for very often because I don't think it it doesn't hold my attention that well as a story overall. But um, but so, yeah, I think, but that's probably why I enjoyed it as much as I did re-watching it because I feel like I haven't watched this one many times, if you know what I mean. It felt like, okay, I give, sort of saw it through f- fresh eyes. And I think I was a bit more invested in Turlo's backstory this time as well because as a kid I don't know I liked Turlo but he didn't he wasn't like a favorite companion do you know what I mean but I think now I've sort of grown to quite like the the character of Turlo so I was a bit more invested in the story as well the thing I do find tedious though and I think you know if they'd have tightened up the script a little bit this this could have easily been ironed out but there is a lot of to and fro in between what's Peter Wingard's uh character called um, unusual that I can remember the actor's name and not the character, but uh, Peter oh, Timonoff. Yeah, Timonoff. Yeah, he's the main head believer, <laughs> if you like. <laughs> yeah. Um, so his character, there is a there's a bit too much to in and throwing of him believing in so many different people. Being like, uh, is it not the Oracle? What do they call him? He's like, oh, you. He is the chosen one. And like, no, he's the chosen one. Oh, he is the chosen one. No, 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 no. It's not. It is him, really. Oh, he is the chosen. And I'm like, mm. that seemed to happen a lot, and that got a bit tedious um, in episode three because it felt like it felt like they were doing it every five minutes. But um, you know, I think that's the thing. It's got some great <laughs> elements, isn't it? This story it just mm. it needed a bit of tightening up, I think. And <laughs> and it is so confusing having Lanzarote playing. Lanzarote and an alien planet and there being no nothing to distinguish the two so it does for the first episode you just assume uh <laughs> they're they're having a nice little trip to Lanzarote these alien people you know it it is a little bit confusing in that sense um, <laughs> and also the sets don't yeah. really match it do they that's I think that's the other thing the mm, sets kind of. when they're when they're yeah, when they're on the sort of set and they've got the fire pit and everything it took me a while to work out that was supposed to be the same place that the Doctor and Perry are running around when they when they end up on, what's the planet called? San. San, yeah. San. So I'm thinking, oh, they, that set's meant to be San, right? Because they've just left that set and now they're on a, a rocky Lanzarote cliff. Okay, they're supposed to, because I was waiting for there to be like a, a portal or something that's transporting them from there to Earth. Do you know what I mean? It, it just, yeah, it just gets a little bit confusing at times, I think, this story for yeah, the viewer. Yeah. Um, I agree. But uh, yeah, it was yeah, it's a fairly decent watch. I think. I think there's a lot of fun elements to it. Um, I'd sort of forgotten about the mini master. Oh, the mini master, which is yeah. crazy to think because I, <laughs> I so when he starts taking over Chameleon and stuff, I I kept thinking, um, what is going on here? How is the master controlling it? And then as soon as I saw him put the headset on, 
I was like, oh, I remember now. He's in a little box. And I was that I then couldn't wait for that scene to come up. I was like, oh yes, he's, he's been miniaturized, doesn't he? Um, so that again was was quite good fun. I must have missed the reason why he was in there, though. I don't know if you can tell me because I I couldn't be bothered to re- rewind. But it's an what accident, happened wasn't to the it? master? Why does he? Yeah, he was trying to upgrade his um, the, you know, the weapon that he uses. He was trying to upgrade it and accidentally. Oh, is that what it was? <laughs> well, that's brilliant. Yeah. I think that's quite quite good fun. Yeah, yeah, because he tries to um, use some of the power that's in that um, uh, new Miss Martin, new Miss Maiden gas. Yeah, and um, yeah, and end up just going a bit awry. <laughs> so he end up with the mini master in his little box, and it's funny later on when he tries to escape as well. He hops over the little. The, the little console. the console and into the little yeah. gap and stuff. <laughs> and Perry's chasing him around with her shoe ready to squat yeah. him, which I thought was hilarious. Do you know that's the sort of scene that you you know you probably some fans would grain at for being too silly, but I I was really enjoying all that yeah. stuff. I thought that was great fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it was cool. Yeah. Um, in terms of story, it's um, well, I think we've already covered the basics, but it wasn't. It's not that original, I guess. It's um, you know, you've got a bunch of dudes that are like any other religious movement or, or cult or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, they are basically the fire God Logar is the, Logar, is the dudes, it. you know, it's the, that they're all, uh, praying to and stuff. He's, um, the reason why they're in the mountain with the volcano, and everything, cause he's a fire God. And every now and then they get a sign. There's a bit where, um, Timonov is a bit ruthless, and he's like, "Right, we're going to mm-hmm. send all the non-believers into the furnace. He's going <laughs> to, he's going to burn them." Yeah, all. and um, and then he's like, "Give, give me a sign," because there's a bit where um, the the first guy, which it turns out to be Turlo's brother, isn't it, um, Malcolm, right. mm-hmm. and uh, he's basically like, "These are my people. Essentially, I'm not going to have them put to death just for that reason." So he halts it, and then. Uh, Tim and I was like, give me a sign. And then the flames come up from nowhere. And then he sort of takes over control again. So it's about this kind of um, uh, push and pull uh, throughout the story about is Logar real? Should they be believing in him? You know, all the rest of it. So that's the story. It's not that original, really. And then we have the subplot of um, Perry coming into the mix and, Tur- yeah, you know, yeah. Turlo uh, doing his best. Um, to sort of help the doctor and then at the end deciding that he has the opportunity to go back to his own planet he finds out that his exile has been um uh, cancelled so he can go back and and do that stuff so yeah it's it's kind of a quick wrap up with him at the end really a little bit too quick i think they could have mm. played more into that don't you when he when he finally sort of um reports himself over the radio or whatever it is and uh, yeah. you yeah. sort of feel like okay they're coming to get him i really feel like they could have built up that um, sort of threat and made his exit because his exit is very understated. It's 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 so understated that to be honest, um, until I rewatched this the other night, if you'd have asked me how Turlo leaves, I genuinely couldn't tell you. Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember um, how he leaves. Uh, so it's very understated exit for him, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it happens very quickly, and it's almost like somebody's holding the door open, shoving him out. You <laughs> yeah. know, pulling um, Nicola Bryant in. Yeah. In one f- in one very quick motion, and then she's in. So it doesn't really take much for the doctor to agree either. At the end, she's like, "Well, I've got a few months left on the old visa, so yeah. I can do a bit of travelling." And he's like, mm, 
And then I think he said something like, is that a question? And she's like, yeah. mm. and then he's like a big smile on his face. Like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. So it all happens very quickly with Turlo being booted out and uh, Perry, Perry in, in the new TARDIS team. So, um, yeah, so that's the subplot. It's basically Turlo, you know, he's, he's overcome everything, all the problems from the past with the whole reason why he was putting the, the doctor's path in the first place. Mm. And, you know, that's all been dealt with now. He's a true companion, quote unquote. And then he decides that he has the opportunity to go home and takes that opportunity. So he's off. Mm. And uh, yeah, so that's the that's the story. What did you think to um, if sort of before we got onto the characters, the the way this was visually put together? So location sets and how it was, mm. um, you know, cut together and some direction and stuff, because uh, I found it very, very samey after episode yeah. one. I don't know how you felt about it, mate, but once mm -hmm. you'd seen one. Obviously, they reused the set to go back to it time and time again. But what I mean is, it seems like the camera placement in the set was the same. When oh, we, I see. It yeah. probably wasn't, but it just felt that way. And uh, mm. yeah, so I felt like it was quite samey from a directorial point of view. But um, actually looked pretty good, though, in terms of set and location and flitting between the two. There was a slight difference, mm. but fairly consistent and didn't look too bad. I, I would absolutely agree with that, yeah, because I think the location stuff um, looks great because Lanzarote makes for a, a very interesting uh, location for them to go to, I think. It's just visually very interesting. Um, but because, you know, like that... So I think that, that building that the... Um, what's he called again? Timinoff, was it? Timinoff. Timinoff. The building yeah. that he's in at the start is a cafe, you know, that sort of... <laughs> yeah. It's got that big bulbous window looking out across the cliff edge but um is it is a cafe or was uh which they've obviously turned into you know a futuristic building it's, it's somewhere i've always wanted to go actually I've, I've always wanted to visit that location and see if it's still a cafe um but i think it, yeah it all looks very interesting on screen i think it, um but i agree it's some of the shots are very <clears throat> repetitive like you said when we get to sort of episode three and four you do feel like it is getting going around in circles a little bit um so yes i do get what you mean about that it do, does feel a bit samey um in mm. the way it's shot yeah yeah and fortunately not too much in the way of um flashy visual effects and stuff as well no you know, not really you've got the fire pit which is very basic isn't it very yes. basic special effects and you can hear it as well there's a couple of scenes where davison is walking past it or walking away from it yeah and you can hear as the, the flames in there as well so that was obviously a practical thing that was done on set which works pretty well mm. they obviously had the old smoke machine out in lanzarote as well because there's some quite nice shots where They've obviously added in some of the dry ice. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, there's yeah. some nice swirly dry <laughs> ice going on. And, uh, so that looks that looks pretty nice as well. It looks pretty good. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, there was, um, and you can tell that they're off during that time. I, mean, I think Lanzarote is generally quite warm, yeah, in climate year round anyway. But you can tell that they were there in a nice, well, nice and sunny and warm because all of them wear next to nothing apart from the Doctor. And poor old Anthony Ainley in his full suit. Oh, <laughs> he I must know. have been baking. And I bet it's Tash, because <laughs> it's clearly his, his goat is clearly fake in this one, isn't it? I don't know if it was ever real. I think sometimes it's real, sometimes it's fake, but it's it seems to be clinging on for dear life, that <laughs> that upper upper lip hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you have um because the doctor starts out in his usual stuff, but then yeah. very quickly strips down to uh, a much lighter pair of trousers and just a waistcoat and stuff and Turlo uses he loses the um 
the schoolboy uniform look, doesn't he? And opts yeah. for some He's very, very... He's at one point. And... Yeah, some very short little uh, Kylie Minogue style <laughs> denim shorts. And... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, we all know about Perry in the bikini, you know, yeah. you know all that. So, yeah, yeah. it's... Um, you know, when they are on... I mean, you could tell that they were... They were probably... Um, overjoyed to be going somewhere where it's nice and warm and sunny so between filming mm. they could go and sunbathe and go out for drinks and stuff much better than going to a quarry in wales somewhere yeah oh yeah you much know? more exotic it is it's nice <laughs> to see i love i think that's the other thing that sticks to my mind as a kid is it was just so cool to see the doctor in, in a slight variant of his outfit you know there's the waistcoat and and uh, although it doesn't he doesn't keep it on as long as i thought he did he only has it on when he's sat having a coffee by the sea isn't he and then it's gone but uh, it's nice to see him you know in a different uh look with a different look if you like um and same for turlo actually he must have been so relieved to get out of that blimmin school uniform finally um so yeah it, it does it, it it brings something to the story i think it, it makes it a little bit more mm. interesting to see them dressed a bit differently for once yes yeah in holiday mode in yeah. holiday mode yeah yeah no, you like so, to see it do you think it's a good introductory story for Perry? Do I think so? No, not really. No, because I, I kept thinking that, because like you said, Turlough's sort of out the door, she's in, but they don't really give her a lot to do other than sort of run around the rocks and f slide down the rocks screaming. She, I, I guess she stands up to the master, which is kind of, I mean, that, that scene that was in the intro, that's kind of fun. When he's like, you will obey me, she says... So what? You know, he says that's she gets the odd good moment, but um, mm. I think she she gets slightly better as the story goes on. I mean, I found her very whiny in the first couple of episodes. It's like, I, that's why I was saying <laughs> I don't think it's a particularly great introduction to her as a new companion. Um, I didn't warm to her that quickly, but I think by the end of it, you start to see a bit more. But uh, yeah, as an yeah. introductory story, I don't think it's great for for Perry. I don't think she gets an awful lot to do. Um, I think, yeah, I think also, Maybe we, yeah, sorry, go on. Um, because it's her first acting role as well, professionally. Is it? This oh, is the right. very first time she'd ever acted in front of a, I think anyway, this is her first job being in Doctor Who. And uh, I think you can really tell in this first episode and the next one, maybe mm. the first two or three, that she, um, for me anyway, I'm not saying she's a bad actress at all, but mm. uh, for me, I, I find that it takes her a few eps to find her feet a little bit there's one scene at the beginning of this story where she is um she is with her uh her um, is it her uncle or a stepdad or something it's a stepdad stepdad yeah. with um, the worst american accent i've ever heard like <laughs> what accent was he doing howard yeah is yeah, it howard? howard yeah yeah howard there's a scene where um they're on the fishing boat and all the rest of it and something happens and then those two are on the pier i think and they're just having a chat about stuff and she's saying that she wants to go off traveling for a bit more and she needs a bit of money and he doesn't want her to go mm. and it's it's absolutely terrible in terms of the acting that's on screen at that point so for about a minute and a half it's those two it's like um it's yeah. like watching a school play it's, it's, it's cringe it's really yeah. bad acting and i find that with Nicola Bryant through this story where like you said she has a couple of okay moments but I don't know I just it for me it takes a while 
for for Nicola Bryant to really settle into Perry. And um, yeah, yeah so I was going to backtrack a bit when I said she doesn't get a lot to do or any good moments. Mm. And then I thought about the bit where she's tips the master out of the box and is chasing around the tire. So I suppose there are some good moments for her, but I know what you mean. There are scenes like her on the boat with Howard and, uh, and the two sort of the, both of the voices, like his accent's terrible. Hers is very whiny and it doesn't make for a particularly good sort of first impression of her character. I don't think. And also, I mean, obviously Howard played by Dallas Adams <laughs> was, um, he was an English actor. Uh, but do you think they just saw his name and thought, oh, Dallas Adams, he must be American. Let's get him in. <laughs> well, apart from his middle name, of course. He's such a... Well, oh, yeah, Dallas Roland, Roland Adams. Yeah. God, what a name. That's such a great name. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry to say, I, I was so confused at first. I was like, is he is he supposed to be American? Who is this guy? Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's good as the robot, though, when he's playing the... Because there's something quite creepy about when he's they've applied the silver makeup and he's transforming from chameleon you know back and forth and he's all confused he's quite good at that quite i thought he's much better when he's playing those bits but that's true yes howard i wasn't convinced yeah yeah it's true it's um the accent is a giveaway first of all yeah that you're in for a rough ride (laughs) um but yeah going back to um i mean yeah he wasn't Do you know what it is with his character? I know for a f- I know hundred percent that in probably two weeks' time, if somebody says to me, "Oh, I've heard the your episode of um, Blue Box when you re- reviewed Planet of Fire," uh, and I agreed with what you said about Howard, I'd be like, "Howard, which one's <laughs> Howard? What did he do?" And he'd be, and he'd be like, "You know, the dude." With Perry, the step... I'll be like, oh, him. So I yeah. know for a fact that he's... And that's probably the thing with... Um, before I get onto my score at the end, just to a, a, a spoiler there, I, I think that's my view on this story sometimes, you know, dude. Mm. Like, if you'd have said to me last week before I watched this, give me 10 things that happened in Planet of Fire or tell me, other than the Doctor and Perry and Turlo, give me yeah. five other characters from Planet of Fire, I'd be like, Jesus... Um, so yeah, I know that it's, uh, his character especially is, um, is a bit of a, a forgettable one, but I do agree with what you said though. When he's appearing via chameleon, he is better in that respect because he does the whole robotic movements pretty cool from time to time, you know, when he's yeah. freaking out a little bit and the master trying to take back control and stuff like that. Yeah. He plays that, he plays that pretty well. So Dallas, not too bad, dude, but just when you are as Howard, just a bit forgettable. <laughs> I'd agree with that. Yeah. I think, yeah. you go. So I was going to say, so Perry as a character overall, I, th- I don't think she had a great introduction, introductory episode, mm. but I do feel that's partly because of the problem that you just run into inherently throughout Davison's run is that there's, there's always more than one companion. So you have to make that decision do you just give them little chunks of stuff to do throughout the mm. story or do you focus on one of them and the others take a bit of a backseat? So I think for this one, Turlo definitely has way more to do and yeah. is more involved in it. So, And also from that point of view, in terms of being a companion, technically she's not a proper quote-unquote companion at this point. Mm. She's still just a side character. It's not until the end of the story that she's like, cool, I'm off on travels with the Doctor now I'm a companion. Very Do you know true. what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. as a companion story, you can't really class it as that, I guess. So, mm. yeah. 
And even though it's a sort of fairly um, subdued exit for Turlow, uh, despite the exit, it's actually quite a good story for him, isn't it? Like, he gets quite a bit to do. Mm. Um, and what I liked was I'd forgotten how integral he is to the story. So, um, you know, we get to learn a lot more about his backstory in this. Um, so for Turlow, it's actually quite a good story, I think. And I think Mark Strickson said that he, at this point, he decided to leave. But then when it actually came to leaving, he wished he wasn't. So he was like, oh, I actually didn't, by the time I was leaving, I actually didn't really want to. Uh, <laughs> but it was too fate. late. Yeah. He'd been replaced by Perry. But um, yeah, I do. I love all the backstory stuff for Turlow in this, which again, I'd kind of forgotten about, uh, to be honest, because it's so long since I last watched this. Um, but it's fun to find out a bit more about him because he, he is an odd companion, isn't he, Turlow? And I, I said earlier that he's one that I've grown to like a lot more as a companion over the years. I don't think at the time I particularly took to him, but that's probably because of the age I was when I was watching it. If you know what I mean, I couldn't relate to him as a companion. But um, as I've got older and I've learned more about his character, and he, he does have a fairly interesting arc, uh, you know, trying to kill the Doctor, getting mixed up with the Black Guardian and, and all that stuff, getting away from the Black Guardian. Is he good? Is he bad? Even in this, the Doctor's still quite untrusting of him, quite rightly so, considering what they've been through up until this point. So I love all that stuff. And I think Turlo's a character that I've really grown to like a lot more uh, over the years as I watch him. And uh, so I love the fact we get this backstory about his family being on the run and criminals, <laughs> you know, and I love the friction between him and the fifth doctor. Like when the, that, the doctor says to him, if you're hiding anything from me and he really sort mm. of lays it on the line with him, it's great stuff, you know? Yeah. So no, it's it a good story for Turley, I think. Yeah. It's not a bad one, is it at all? No. For him, because he, he really takes charge of the situation as well. Yeah. There's a few times where when he's rescuing Perry and, they need to make a, a sharp exit and he grabs her hand. He's like, right, we're off. Yeah. You know, and um, a bit later in the story when he realises that the the dudes are from his home planet and there's more to it than what is being... Because there's a, sh a, a crashed ship, isn't there? Mm. And he knows that his um, uh, his his siblings, basically, and his family were, were on the ship and it's a bit of a big coincidence. And then he starts to get invested in that part of the story a bit more. So he... He really tries to help them all. He doesn't want to get involved in the whole Logar thing, but he does want to help everybody. And then finding out that Malcon's his brother and and all that, so it really starts yeah. to ramp up for him as the as you go across the four parts until the end, where it's almost really fitting that he does go off. I think it'd be a strange decision of him to go through all that, and then at the end when he has the opportunity to go back home, he's like, now nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. So, true. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, it's a fitting story, but you can totally see why Mark Strickson would have been like, ah, oh, this is a pretty sweet gig after all, you know, mm. <laughs> so yeah. what am I going to do now? What next adventure is, is for me? And what did Mark Strickson do after Dr. Who? Did he, he went um, on to be a director or film director or producer, I think. Well, he did but, some but other stuff, me, dude. Oh, he did yeah. some other stuff? Yeah. Oh, it yeah. was just smaller parts and stuff like casualty. Bergerac. Bergerac. Um, All right. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so he hasn't like too much. but I like the little symbol on his arm, that little reveal that he's got this special symbol and uh, yeah. and that his brother's got it as well and that's how he works out he must be his brother. and That's what I mean. There was loads of little bits like that which I'd f completely forgotten about 
um, which were nice, nice little moments. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. You went on to be a producer and director for um, mainly wildlife documentaries and all that jazz. Oh, there so you go. Shifted yeah. over. Yeah. Um, Okie dokie. So, yeah, I think Turlo, I agree with you. He did have a good one. And, mm. and Mark Strickland's pretty good in this one as well. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. sometimes I get a little bit, when I watch Turlo, there are times when in my head, my brain is saying, oh, shut up. <laughs> you know when he just unnecessarily starts to flap and get flustered yes. or angry and stuff you just think oh shut up for a minute mm. you know what I mean but I didn't really find that with him in this one he was everything that he did and that and that's sort of credit really to Peter Grimwade I think he wrote his character in this one to have a purpose in everything yeah. he was doing so and it's probably yeah. right that he did leave in the sense of his character because I think Mark Strickson said this many times that, you know, he was kind of a plot device put in of this. Uh, he's is he going to kill the Doctor every week? And once they got rid of that storyline, nobody really knew what to do with him. So it's quite nice actually that Peter Grimwade came up with this backstory because it does add more to his character than just someone that was thrown in to to kill the Doctor every week. You know, so. But then, like Mark Strickson says, what do we do after that? Where can we take the character? So I think it was a nice story arc for him, maybe because there are episodes where he doesn't really get to do anything. That He pointed out once in a commentary on the DVD that he constantly just walks into a room and either does his button up on his jacket or undoes it. And I've never oh, been able yeah. to unsee that. So I yeah. notice that a lot now. I'm like, oh, yeah, he does. He does <laughs> it. He, does, he gets like one line, does his jacket up, walks out of room. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah. So I think there were times when they just didn't know what to do with Turlo. So in the nicest way, it probably was the best time for the character to exit. And I, yeah, I just think it's a good story for him to go out on in terms of his backstory. Yes, I agree, dude. Yeah. Yep, totally. Some of the before we get on to the uh, the Doctor Peter Davison mm. and Anthony Ainley, uh, are there any oh, supporting yeah. cast members that stood out for you? The only one that did for me really was obviously Timonov, Peter Wingard. <laughs> oh yes, and uh, I did quite like Malcolm uh, Edward Highmore. I did think his character had a little bit of. The only thing I wished was that he was a little bit more. He was written to be more assertive. Because he mm. does try to put his foot down a couple of times, but just gets, I think it feels like Timonov just pulls rank a lot of the time. Yeah. And yeah. sort of slaps him down a bit and you have to remember his play sort of thing. But he was the other standout for me alongside uh, Timonov. The rest of the cast were, I think it's just a general mix of people who had like the odd one liner here and there and mm. stuff like that. But those two were fairly cool. Yeah, they are good. In fact, I thought Turlo's brother was in it a lot more than he is. I thought they they played up to that more than than was actually in the episode. But yeah, he's he's good in it, and uh, he looks very familiar as well. He's one of those actors I feel like I've probably seen him in in other stuff around this sort of same time in the eighties. Uh, it just seems to be one of those people that popped up in a lot of shows as very small parts. Um, but Peter Wingard as Timonov, um is was actually I, I'm going to say a lot better than I remember because I thought. I thought Peter Wingard really hammed it up in my memory, and he does to an extent, but he's nowhere near as over the top as I remembered him being, if that no. makes sense. Yeah. I actually think it's quite a, a nice little performance from him. Maybe I'm just... Because Peter Wingard often played very over-the-top characters. What was that What was that one that he was really famous for? That um, Like the detective guy that walked around, he had like a leather jacket with a shirt open and his chest out with a big medallion. Was it Jason... X or something uh, Jason uh, King Jason, Jason King, King was it? Yeah. which I've never actually seen 
Um, but I've seen lots of photographs of him as Jason King. Um, so I think mm. I just picture him being more like that, more flamboyant like that, which he's not. He does tone it down a bit. Um, but uh, he apparently wanted to play the part as an old man under all these prosthetics. Um, and Fiona Cum- J- uh, JNT said to Fiona Cummings, you know, oh, no, no, you need to talk him out of that. We need to, you know, because at the time was quite a recognisable actor. He'd done sort of quite a bit. And JNT was like, no, talk him out of it, Fiona. Go and take him to lunch and tell him he's he's not playing it like that. We're not having him under a load of, you know, I want to see his face. And uh, he was having none of it, apparently. He's like, no, no, dear. No, we. I, I know how I'm going to do this part. And uh, Fiona Cumming was like, I'm sorry, JNT. He's not having any of it. <laughs> so JNT got on the plane with him over to Lanzarote and said, now, Peter, you know, it sort of basically said, you're such a well-known actor. We must see your your wonderful face on screen. We can't have you under these prosthetics and talked him round, but I'm kind of glad he did really, because we wouldn't <laughs> want to be denied that moustache. And, uh, of course. And, uh, yeah. and I think he would have overdone it. I think if he'd been under all this prosthetics, which probably would have melted in the heat of Lanzarote as well. Um, I can imagine him going a bit sort of over the top in the performance. Whereas in this, I think he's, he's fairly good. I quite enjoyed him. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's, yeah. um, that series, as he stars as Jason King, is called Jason Department King, S. Yeah. Department S was the That's it. series. I've always wanted to yeah. see it because it just looks hilarious. Yeah, and then there was, um, when that sort of ran its course, he did another series after that, just one series, which was just titled Jason King. Right. Which is obviously yeah. the same character, but... Um, always surrounded yeah. by loads of ladies as well. It's like I assume Jason King is a... A very much a ladies' man. Yeah, well, if memory serves correctly, um, I think it was meant to be a James Bond-esque. I think his character was based on some of the qualities of of uh, Ian Fleming's. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he is meant to be a James Bondy type of... Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, but, I wonder if I can find some on YouTube or something. I really <laughs> bet it's hilarious. Oh, it's probably <laughs> hilarious now because that's right on the cusp of coming into the 70s, right? So, yeah. Yeah. yeah so I mean, I'm only judging... I'm only judging it on like the photos I've seen of him, but uh, yeah, it looks fun. <laughs> no, he was cool. Um, Okie dokie. What about then um, the the chameleon? So it's not just Turlo. Oh, God, I forgot about chameleon. Yeah, it's not yeah. just Turlo that we say goodbye to. This is no. the last story where um, it's predominantly played by Gerald Flood. Yeah. Um, but chameleon. So he has a couple of alter egos in this one. So the master, of course, the master's linked into him with some crazy over-the-top telepathic kind of thing um you know and then he obviously flits between howard's character as well and stuff like that uh but it all goes awry fairly quickly for him unfortunately he plugs himself in doesn't he to the the sardis data bank or something and then it everything starts to go to poop from then on so uh what do you reckon to chameleon though because i think as a sort of a happy accident he didn't appear in, I think he was meant to be in a lot more stories than what he was, but because mm. the the um, the the robot um, uh, prop, I guess you call it, um, just failed so much and was just such a bugger. So it's a bit of like a canine situation mm. where it just fell over so much and uh, and was a bit of a bugger to um to wrangle. So, but I'm cool with that because I think. I think as a character, there's only so much you can do with this kind of robotic thing that's just lingering around the TARDIS. You know, it's a bit mm. like having another companion in one respect. How much story time do you dedicate to it? So 
yeah, I can't say I'm the biggest fan of Chameleon, but, um, and to be honest with you, it's the only time that sort of when it's on screen that the 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 visual fidelity of the story starts to degrade ever so slightly because mm. they do that weird shimmering effect when it's yeah. morphing into like another character. But mm. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm I'm not on the fence with Chameleon. I, d- I do think he's a bit of a weird character, but just sort of plugged in for the sake of it. I feel like sometimes. What do you reckon on this one? Because I guess it does serve a. A, a way for the master to kind of get into the story, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. But yeah, no, we say goodbye, actually. don't we? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's true. Actually, he does get he does actually get a reason to be there. I hadn't really thought about it like that because he he is obviously when they introduced him, um, they must you know that that prop for want of a better word must have driven the production team bonkers. They must have been saying, "Come back, K nine, all is forgiven." You know, <laughs> nowhere near as uh, chaotic as that because they couldn't program it because it was a real working, it was a real thing. It was like a real robot, but such early technology. And you know, they would program the speech thing or something, and it would take forever. And I think Peter Davison literally wanted to rip its head off at one point. I think he famously said the the thing drove him mad. You know, mm. waiting between takes for them to try and get it to work. And normally they would just say. It, it's not happening. We've got to just just cut it out. You're gonna to have to ride it out. You know, it was it was just a nightmare. Um, but it probably seemed it probably seemed a great idea at the time. You know, can you imagine like the people who built it? I think they brought it in to showcase it, and JT was like, "Oh my god, it's an actual real working robot. We must have this in the show," and then soon regretted it. Um, <laughs> it's. I'm glad he's in there. I'm glad because he is this oddity, and he is something I. I, I always forget about Chameleon, to be honest with you, until he pops up on screen. I'm like, oh, yes, he was the thing. Um, but I very much liked him as a kid, you know. I very much remember sort of... I couldn't. I always assumed that it was a person in there, but then could what fascinated me as a kid is that you could see through, like, his legs and you could tell that it was a real thing. So it was like, oh, so there's not a person in there. It's a real robot. And, you know, so it fascinated me a little bit as a kid. But um, to be honest, I as I've grown up, I just forgot about chameleon um but i'm glad he's in there i think he's a funny little oddity that just pops up randomly in a couple of davison stories and gets written out of most of them and um yeah it, it's uh it's nice that they found a way to use him before they got rid of him I, that is, i'm glad you said that because i hadn't really thought about it in a way yeah. they they finally got something that he could do mm. um in terms of the storyline and then yeah and and it's you know even though we haven't grown to know him that well it's still when he says destroy me at the end you do feel like ah poor chameleon (laughs) so i bet davidson can wait to fire that blimming gun well he doesn't hesitate too much does he no he he doesn't no (laughs) (laughs) no he doesn't he's like all right then yeah gosh just leaves the little action man figure on the floor. Right, he's gone. Yeah. Doesn't even pick it up and put it in his pocket. No. Yeah. A little collectible as well there. Could have just, put yeah. that on the shelf. The scream as well is horrible, isn't it? They they play that scream sound effect or whatever it is or do that chameleon oh, yeah. scream about four times and it really goes through you, doesn't it? It's mm. horrible. Talking ah! of um, screams, um, there was a cool scene, I know, with... with we spoke about the master already, but there's a cool yeah. scene where Anthony Ainley really goes for it at the end when he's trapped in the in the fire, th- whatever it is, you know, at the end oh, where yeah. um, the, he's like, he just assumes that the doctor's going to save him. He's like, Doctor, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pursue you across the hammerspace for this. <laughs> and uh, and um, the doctor's like, uh, all right then. 
you're probably not because you're <laughs> and he's sort of screaming and he, mm-hmm. he just vanishes into nothing. Obviously, it's not the death of the master, but mm-hmm. Anzioni really goes for it. It gives it a few big old old screams. He goes from... Um, we don't really see that too much from him because normally uh, Anzioni is just like... Um, yeah all that for about five minutes and then yeah and then we're on to it but yeah he was uh yeah he gets his comeuppance temporarily i guess and the only is actually um a lot better than i remembered in this i again he's another one that i just thought really hammed up in this story but he does um, a bit it well he does yeah especially when he first goes into the into the base of operations i guess um on Sorn, you know, where he finally, you know, because um, Tominov's looking for this this person called the Outsider, I think it's called. That's it, the Outsider. And he assumes that because he's seen the, um, the Master transform into somebody else, uh, because he's chameleon, he thinks that this is otherworldly mm. and he has to be the Outsider. And when he gets in, he really hams it up. He's yeah. like, yes, throw them all into the fire. And the doctor's <laughs> yeah. pleading with him, like, don't do this. And he's like, burn them. Pointing up in his face <laughs> yeah. and all that. Yeah, so that yeah. that's the only bit I found that he does ham it up a bit. But Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, <laughs> I think he often does in his performance. But um, I just found him a lot of fun in this. Uh, a lot of fun. He seems to really, it, like you said, he seems to be really into it. You know, um, the scene at the end when he burns, you're right, he gives out a really big scream. And, and he says that famous line, which um, which I love the fact he doesn't finish the sentence. So it it leaves it ambiguous where he says, you wouldn't do this to your own. Oh! And people are like, what was he going to say? And J&T yeah. said it was going to be brother. Like he was going to reveal that him, the doctor and the master were brothers. So oh. obviously like, I, I, but I love the fact that we'll, it's just left hanging. Mm-hmm. That to me is perfect. It's like if you want to believe they're brothers, you can. You crack or on. if you want to yeah. believe he was going to say something else, you can. It's just there for the taking. But I love that. You know, would you do this to your own bro? <laughs> and he's gone. But no, I thought Anthony Annie was great in this. I really did think he was. Um, you know, even when he's hamming up a bit, I just thought he was great fun. Um, I find him a very fascinating character. We know very little about him as, a, as an actor. He was, you know, very private. Um, so I love it when we get to see any behind the scenes of him. Mm, and there's true. only a little bit on the DVD uh, on the making of. Um, but he just seems so professional. Like, he just seems so... When the, the bit I'm talking about is actually him filming that end scene. And, you know, if you only come in just saying, could you move a bit to the left and do this? And he's just... Yeah, it just seems to take direction very well. And I, I don't know. I just think he gives a great performance in it. Um, yeah, great, really, man. really good fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool, dude. Yeah. Okay, then. Let's talk about Peter Davison. Davo. Old Davo as a doctor. Because we've mm. hardly mentioned him. No. Even though he's in it a lot. And I say that, um, as a listener might be thinking, well, yeah, it's obvious he's the doctor. But there are mm. some stories where some sometimes the doctor does take a little bit of a uh, uh not so much a doctor light story but you know sometimes the doctor's not in it as much as you would think mm-hmm. especially when you've got a million companions running around so although yeah. davison's in it a lot do you know what he wasn't firing on all cylinders for me mr davison i i mm. don't think he was it's certainly not his worst story absolutely not his worst story but there are times where i thought you should be absolutely going for it right now you should really be um 
I don't know, it's almost like he, he didn't have his emotional battery charged up when he was filming this story. What I mean by that is the scene at the end where Turlo decides to go off, there's not really much emotion going on there. They sort of shake hands mm. and he goes off and that's it. Um, and the same when the master dies, you know, there's obviously, we know about this relationship between the doctor and the master. And when the master seems to be um, uh, being killed, what we think is being killed at the end, mm. the doctor doesn't really change his facial expression very much. And the same when chameleon asks him to destroy him, his face <laughs> doesn't change too much. The only time we see his face change is right at the very end when he accepts Perry as, mm. a, as a new companion. He's really big, big smile on his face. The rest of the time, I found him to be like all of these scenes where he had the potential to really step into and like another gear almost. He doesn't quite go there. He just seems mm. to just simmer along throughout the story. So that's my, some, you might think differently, but I just found it when I got to the end, I was thinking, well, okay, well, Peter Davison must have just been in one of those I'll take it or leave it moods where the story wasn't terrible, wasn't amazing. It was just, yeah, okay, yeah, cool, we'll do this so I can go home. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think as as you've pointed out those particular moments, I've, I've probably got to agree with you, actually, because I, I did like him in it. I, I liked the more sombre tone of his Doctor in this story. But, um, but you are right. There are moments, uh, I think particularly the bit where the Master... Uh, dies in brackets at the end. We, I think, we should have seen more from the Doctor because we we get. I mean, there's a nice bit when he walks into the TARDIS afterwards and he's very downbeat, and you get the feeling he's thinking, "Oh, what have I done?" But I think, yeah, we there there were moments when we could have got more from Peter. I mean, I'm thinking also about the bit when they're pushing the people into the flames and he kind of just stands there. He doesn't really react. I'm thinking, mm. come on, Doctor, aren't aren't you going to try and stop him? He just literally stands there. <clears throat> and also when uh, um, Turlo's brother gets shot, again, there's not much reaction from him. At, at one point, I wasn't sure. It almost feels like they're waiting for someone to say a line. There's a there's this couple of seconds of sort of awkwardness where no one's really reacting or doing anything. So I don't know if it's down to the direction or, like you said, Peter, just not quite firing on all cylinders. But um, I do agree with you about those moments. I, I like him in it. But, yeah, we could have got a bit more from him in certain scenes i think like those yeah. that you've mentioned yeah yeah no i agree i like him in it i do like him in it mm. it's just yeah i think I, I, we've just seen him in we've seen him perform better in better stories that's probably it yeah but you you're know. right about Taylor's exit now i think about it he doesn't really just sort of shakes his hand doesn't it it's not much because that could have been quite a i don't know maybe they're trying to underplay it yeah, um, but there isn't much they probably could have built that ending up a little bit more mm. um, in terms of his response to him leaving yeah well also we've been spoiled a lot these days i mean in modern doctor who they dedicate a bloody whole episode to a <laughs> companion leaving and it's a huge big yeah. emotional build-up and everything so that's yeah, true maybe it's just um just that it was back then back then it was just uh right i'm off okay see you later thanks bye actually it's, it's kind of <laughs> indicative of the classic era isn't it they do that i mean a lot of companions do it leela for example or just rocks up at the end and says oh i'm not coming with you okay goodbye and you know they do that quite a bit i think romana as well does yes. the same yep. i'm not coming with you oh okay goodbye <laughs> they do it a lot yeah yeah in the classic era yeah i read you so yeah mr davison uh, good to summarize yeah it is good he is he is likable in it and stuff and uh, he does have a couple of good moments as well there's a 
there's a couple of cool scenes and it's um uh it's it's just it just adds to that more kind of feeling of this story being forgettable that i think that's what it is for me anyway it adds into that feeling of uh, you know it's a very similar question like the next time you and i down the pub and you spring it on me like gary what did you think to davison in planet of fire i have to really mm-hmm. rack my brains hard to try and think of the scenes that he's in and and a couple of bits so yeah i think you make a very good point there mate actually because maybe that is one of the reasons it's a little bit forgettable the story because there there was potential for there to be very memorable moments if you think about it so at the time we wouldn't have known that the master was going to return we could have thought that was it that they'd finally killed off the master that's quite a big moment and the doctor plays it like he has finally done it so they, they, you know, that should have probably been a bigger moment than it actually comes across on the screen. So maybe that's the thing with this story is it's good, but it, the potential isn't quite reached. And maybe, maybe because there's a lot of big yeah. stuff going on, isn't there? When you break it down, like Turlo's backstory, the master being finally destroyed, and the Doctor being the person who does it. There's there's quite big stuff going on in this story, but it doesn't feel like it at all. It it feels like a wind down in a way to the Davison era because obviously the next story is uh, Kei Zanzani, I guess, must be. Um, yeah, yeah. So it feels like things are winding up in the in the Davison era, but it doesn't feel very... It feels a bit underplayed, doesn't it? It doesn't feel very big in scale. Um, yeah, so, which is odd, actually, when you think about that. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of his reaction to... I think Peter Davison did say this. It was either on the DVD mm. or an interview somewhere, I can't remember, but he did say that he, when he when he tried to show um, <clears throat> remorse and sorrow and stuff at having to kill Chameleon, he yeah. said that was a hundred percent him acting that bit because oh, right. he was genuinely <laughs> glad to be rid of the prop, <laughs> not because the character in the story had anything to do with it. Just him in yeah. terms of like, I don't have to deal with this rubbish on set anymore. Uh, but yeah. even then I didn't really see it, dude. I didn't know. I didn't see it. Yeah. Uh, strange. Yeah. I do love that scene actually near the beginning where comedians lying on the floor and Davo's got his head in his hands and I'm sure that's Peter Davison and not the doctor. <laughs> he's just he just like looks really fed up and glum, doesn't he? Like looking at the prop and I bet he's that's there's no acting required there at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, dokie. Right, okay. And lastly for me, what do you reckon to the music? So we've it feels mm. like the last mm. 50 stories that we've done in Classic Who have all been Dudley Simpson. So yeah. it's nice to have a departure from that. And uh, so this was Peter Howell, very, very famous Who composer, of course. Mm. What did you think of this one, though? Because I'm sorry to be a negative ninny again. I'm very sorry. But mm. I didn't really get much from this either. This is also very forgettable. I can't remember any little motif or any little piece of music from this did you yeah actually there, there was a couple of things that stood out one of them for the right reasons and one for the wrong so uh, i thought it was a real mixed bag i was trying to work it out it almost sounded like two composers worked on this to me so hmm. there was some good stuff so there's the build-up to the cliffhanger where the master's saying push them in push burn them all the doctor must burn and there's this really cool deep synth music going on which i loved to really created a sort of sense of doom and and build up to the fear and i thought that's pretty cool but then there was the other cliffhanger earlier on where the master gets revealed and it almost goes into some sort of 80s almost pet shop boys dancing <laughs> dun, 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 
in the master scene. I'm like, what's this music? Um, (laughs) It didn't go with that scene at all. Uh, So a bit of a mixed bag, really. I liked some of it. There's some little bits on when they're on the location on the rocks. There's this sort of weird uh, drummy sound. And I thought, oh, I like that. Quite subtle. Um, But yeah, then other bits were very 80s synth. I don't know. Bit of a mixed bag on this one, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Nothing that stood out particularly great. But um, nothing particularly bad apart from that, the master reveal, which was just, it just seems very out of place. It seemed too jolly. It seemed too jolly for that reveal. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I read you. I read you. Yeah. But otherwise, not too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Buddy, what are we going to do for scores? Before we get on scores, have we got anything mm-hmm. on your notes? Anything else you want to mention? No, only that um, <clears throat> they did do a, <clears throat> excuse me, they did do a special edition uh, for this. Uh, story which i didn't watch this time around i think i've i don't know if i ever made it through it actually i watched it when i got the dvd <clears throat> back when that came out and i remember it was absolutely awful so there's like a special edition of it where they've filmed a, uh, a bit of the start with two people in a spaceship or something i mean i'm i'm really vague yep. memories of this because yep. I, I i don't think i watched more than sort of 10 minutes um I might have watched all the way through. I don't think I did. But yeah, I don't know. Have you ever dipped into the special edition of this? Because I just remember, I remember thinking, I think Fiona Cumming oversaw it and they've like added in scenes and, and they've filmed a couple of new scenes to add in. And I remember thinking, oh, it's, the intention's good. <clears throat> you know, they've, they've, I, I can see they've tried to do something here and they've probably put a lot of love and effort into it, but it really hasn't worked, unfortunately. It, I just remember thinking it was really bad. But I just wondered if you'd ever dipped in and watched the special edition, extended edition of this story. Yeah, I think that was the first time when I first watched it, it was that one, because I think um, this came as part of a set. I think it was the Chameleon That's it, the, yeah, with Kings of Kings Demons. The Kings I Demons, think. that's yeah. it, yeah. So this little special prequel that they popped in before and stuff yeah no that was when i very first watched it that was the version that i watched so oh god no no yeah. wonder you didn't watch it again for years yeah. i mean it might be better than i remember i have not watched it since the dvd came out i just remember putting it on and thinking what on earth is this <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah. um i don't know maybe on maybe <laughs> i'll dip back into it after we've uh now we've liked this story more than we thought might mm. give it another go i can't say it's the best thing that I've that I've watched. No, in, uh, in I just classic, remember it looked but, so bad. But yeah, anyway. it wasn't amazing. It, it's, mm, maybe it's needed though, because like we mentioned at the very beginning, it is a bit confusing at the start of this story, mm. like what's going on with yeah. these people, location, and so it it does set up a little bit of that, I guess. But okay, yeah, okie dokie. Right, let's go on to scores. And buddy, it's mm-hmm. you to go first. What are you saying? Yeah, I'll give it a seven point five out of ten. Seven point five. It's mm. it's, it's all right. I, I found it an enjoyable, if slightly confusing, watch. <laughs> but so I did enjoy it and enjoyed watching it. Okie dokie. Um, I'm going to give it a six, buddy. A six? Okay. Yeah, yeah because uh, um, I don't have any strong feelings about it. At the same mm. time, I don't have any hugely negative things. And it's not a five. It's not an on-the-fence, like, do I not like it? I do like it. It's just... Um, it's just one of those forgettable ones for me, dude. I just, yeah, I, I can't retain any <laughs> any memories of it after I've, after I've seen it. So um, no, fair that says enough. it all, really. Yeah. Okie dokie. So a 7.5 from him, 6 from me. What did our very cool listeners think? Let's head over to Twitter. And Will Sanger says, I think it's very underrated. 
and you can see all the elements of the Fifth Doctor era drawing to a close. San is a very dangerous environment with the filming on Lanzarote looking very good. Perry mm-hmm. is also introduced very well and it's the best use of Turlo as a character. Mm. Yes, I think I would agree with you, Will, that Turlo is used very well in this one. Yes. Yes, I think, yeah, it is. He is, definitely. Yep. Yeah. And from one Turlo to another, this is Tom Turlo. He says, Anthony, uh, says, I'm afraid I'm not a big fan of the Davison era. It's mostly incredibly bland and insipid. <laughs> <laughs> insipid. Planet like of Fire word. is not terrible, but not particularly inspiring. Introducing mm. the new companion in a bikini seems a bit OTT, even mm. if Perry does look very good. In the aforementioned swimwear, Anthony only mm. gives his usual performance. Jason Wingard is disappointingly low-key in his guest appearance. And why film both the Earth and Alien scenes in the same location? It spoils the impact of actually shooting abroad. It is very jarring, I'll give you that. It is, yes. Oh, in Doctor Who Holmes, short and sweet, says Mini Master, 10 out of 10. Story, mm. 6 out of 10. Enough said. Okay. Edward Gillooly, there are some good ideas here. Uh, for example, Logar and terrific location work uh, mm. in Lanzarote. Perry is introduced well. Is introduced well. It's one of her better stories and a good ending for mm. Turlo. The small master in a box is just silly. Six point five <laughs> out of ten. Oh, I loved that review. Uh, Nick H says uh, one I watched over and over back in the day, as it was the second story I recorded off the TV on VHS. Mm. Great, um, great use of locations. Master, very good. Perry is hot. The Doctor is a bit mean to <laughs> Turlo, who gets a decent exit. Overlooked, I think, this one. Seven out of ten. Seven, okay. That's great nostalgia, isn't it? Recording stuff off the TV to a oh, VHS yeah. tape and then watching it that. over and over. Yeah. yeah. And lastly on Twitter, Chippy T says, I really like this one. Davison at his best playing the Doctor with ease and conviction. Perry appears as a feisty new companion and settles into the role quickly. Turlow's story develops a bit of mystery, and the master is his usual cunning but failing self. Setting is great. Eight tar. Mm, okay, cool. Indeed. And that was it for Twitter over on Facebook. Andrew Stewart says, I'm only on part three. However, I'm really enjoying it. Anthony mm-hmm. Ainley is probably the best part of the story, as he's clearly having a ball playing the master. However, yeah. everything else is lackluster, and Perry's mewling is annoying. 4.5. Oh, okay. Maybe your score's changed, Andrew, if you've seen part four. Maybe, mm. maybe. Uh, Simon Lockwood says, mixed feelings about this one. I remember watching it on first broadcast and even at 12, thought it was quite up to, I wasn't quite up to par with other mm. stories around it. Watching it now, I thought Peter Wingard gave a great performance. Anthony Ainley was hammier than I remembered, but fun to watch and the miniature master scenes were well done. Uh, quite a bit is juggled well plot-wise. Nicely filmed at the start, and the location stuff looks authentic, even if the accents aren't always. No. Uh, Perry is much better in the next story. Some good sets, and the Doctor Turlo scenes are very good. Strix and Axe as well. I think this would be more appreciated if it wasn't surrounded by a couple of superb episodes, but on its own terms, I quite enjoyed it. 7.5 TCEs out of 10. Okay, cool. Another 7.5. And lastly, Charlie Turner says, Turlow's departure and this joint with two others, namely the King's Demons and Frontios, all share the top spot for his best performance. Mm. Also, one of Perry's first scenes is shot in a way that is a ham. And this story is the closest (laughs) we got to a reveal that the Doctor and the Master were actually brothers after Mm. the final game with Perty was never made. Still like this one, though, a lot more than others may do. An 8 out of 10. An 8, wow. Radio, average score then dude's got to be a seven isn't it i'd say 
I'd say a seven. I, I yeah. feel like I should have dropped mine to a seven, but I'm going to stick with it. Um, just yeah. out of interest, would you have liked it if they'd have if he'd have said the line? If he'd have said, "We're brothers," oh, <laughs> or would know. you? Because uh, Charlie's right. I'd forgotten that sort of does go back to the purple era where they might have, uh, you know, mm. they might have revealed that but to me i think it's as i said it's perfect as it is you you could believe you could look at it either way but i, I get the feeling you're the same or would you like him to have said brother and you know to I that have been a did. thing the doctor and master brother does that work do you know what it do you know what this reminds me of it reminds me of the huge immense backlash that we've got after the tv movie with the the doctor's reveal that he's half human, half human. and stuff i think yeah, it yeah. drifts into that kind of it just requires huge retconning later on. Not that you mm. would, not that they would have thought about that back at the time when, you know, Peter Grimwade and you know the other people. They wouldn't have sat there and thought in twenty twenty five, when Russell T Davis is writing a story about the Master, he's going to have to retcon this. So obviously they weren't thinking those long lines. But I just think the implications are too big to do that. So I'm happy that they left it sort of ambiguous and. Oh, definitely. You know, and you can, you can, you as the viewer can decide whether you want them to be brothers or not at that point in time or not. So, yeah. when, when do we next see the master? Is it um, must be Colin? Is it Mark of the Rani? Maybe. Mm. So I'm just trying to think. How does he? I don't think he's probably never explained how he escapes or survives. But does he just turn up in Mark of the Rani? Because that's a bit disappointing if he just suddenly appears. I think he does. In the mark of the rock. Is he in it before then? Anyway, yeah, I'm just trying to think when we next see him. I think he just pops up again as if nothing, ah, you know, nothing happened, I'm fine. (laughs) Yeah, do you know what, dude? Um, No, he appears. Yeah, he probably, yeah, I think so. I think it's Mark of the Rani. I think you're right. I can't remember, dude, 100%. Yeah, and I think he's just hiding behind a brick wall, um, ready to jump out on someone, if I remember rightly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think he just, I think he just pops up. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. the wall. Yeah. There we go. Anyways, the average score is a seven, and that was Planet of Fire, dude. That was the last Davison story. We have done the lot. There we go. His era is complete completed yeah so um oh in terms of classic who we've only got a couple we've got two pertwee stories to go we've got one mccoy is it curse of fenric we've oh, got which one have we dude, got left dude we've done all of mccoy have we yeah i thought you'd saved one i thought i saved one. Oh, we have saved it curse of fenric yeah curse of fenric yeah <laughs> so colin baker's done davison's done pertwee's almost done uh, really, it's just Tom Baker to get through. We've probably still got, and um, we've probably got a few Tom of because his ear is so big. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight left. <laughs> it's going to have to be another Tom Baker month soon. It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think we've got the odd um, Hartnell and Trout on one to get through if we wanted to go down the whole telly snaps, trying to view it in that kind of fashion. Some of the hidden stories and uh, lost stories and stuff like that. We'll decide yeah. on that. We'll we'll see. And don't forget, Canine and Company is, is still oh, a must at some point. That's calling, mate, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the possibilities are still endless. Well, yeah. Kind of endless. Yeah. We could just reset and do everything again. 
Well, maybe we will. Yeah, maybe we will. Who knows? At this point, anyway, dude, if we take out the the newer Doctor Who stuff that's coming down the road soon, it's kicking off with the 60th stuff, um, we are on par to have literally every single bit of Doctor Who content wrapped up by our 10-year anniversary in March next year. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's been an epic journey to get to that (laughs) point. So we'll see. 10 years. 10 years. That's incredible. (laughs) Ah, Anyway... Um, actually, talking of stuff that's coming up and whatnot, as a quick heads up, listener, um, Adam's going to be on his travels soon. So this is the last yeah. week that we're going to do for the foreseeable future, for at least the next few weeks anyway, while Adam is out there going over to the US um, to rejoin um, his partner who's out there working. So he's getting himself sorted, doing a bit of traveling, all that stuff. So um, we will keep you updated on what's happening in terms of new episodes coming out. We'll still do the roundtables with the writing team and... Um, if there's like big news that drops, if Adam is unavailable, I might get somebody on to talk about that stuff and get some special guests on and do that. Who knows? But we will let you know. But uh, Adam will be absent for at least the next, I don't know, month, few weeks, months, whatever. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably will. Yeah. yeah. So just keep an eye on the old socials on the Twitter, on Mastodon. Uh, hop into the Discord. I'll put it on there as well. Uh, we'll keep you updated. But on that note, I think we'll end there, dude, for episode 381. Alrighty. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. For listening to another episode of the Big Blue Box podcast, that was 381 with our review of Planets of Fire. Uh, we have nothing in the schedule for the first time in what feels like forever. It's kind oh, of loose it's at the weird, minute, isn't it? It is weird, yeah. yeah. So we'll just see on uh, on what we're doing. Probably we'll pick this up again in May at some point, maybe. So just yes, keep an ear yeah. out. Yes, so just keep an ear out what's going on with that uh, so normally we do the whole yeah remember to get this watched fire up Britbox and do all that so just watch whatever you want <laughs> just do something go watch some Star Trek or watch Dis- <laughs> <laughs> yeah go and watch um, some Shatner and some Nimoy or yeah. or whatever He's you want dead Jim <laughs> there's Klingons on the starboard bow <laughs> yeah who knows <laughs> But yes, uh, we're going to um, we're going to wrap up there for a bit. And uh, in the meantime, though, uh, this is obviously I just want to make it clear there are still going to be episodes dropping. So make sure that you are following and subscribing to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts that you won't miss an episode when it lands every Friday. And you can listen over on the website BigBlueBoxPodcast.co.uk, and you can check out the reviews and articles. Plus, we're on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Mastodon. Give us a like and a follow there and uh, hop in discord as well there's a link on the website completely free chat doctor who with lots of other who fans it's all good and don't forget to remember to check out adam's channel over on youtube it is of course the geeks handbag the geeks handbag yes go check out my youtube channel me youtube me youtube me youtube uh tiktok and the socials as well don't forget absolutely yes Yes. i'm on them all until whenever my name's gary my name's adam and remember 